Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. We're so glad you have joined us for this audio sermon. You can find a full archive of sermons on our website, holycommunion.net. This sermon was preached by me, the Reverend Mike Angel, Rector of Holy Communion, on the fourth Sunday of Easter, April 25th, 2021. In the name of the loving, liberating, and life-giving God. Amen. And today is Good Shepherd Sunday. That Sunday in Easter when we read this beautiful poetry, this reminder that we belong to the one who will lead us beside the still waters, who will see us through the valley of the shadow of death. We belong to the Good Shepherd. Maybe it's just me, but when I hear these passages, they conjure very specific Sunday school illustrations. Nice-looking white hippie Jesus laughing while carrying a lamb on his shoulders. This morning, I want to take the Good Shepherd out past Sunday school. After the week we've had, after the last several months, I think we need more from the Good Shepherd. We need to let our images of Jesus grow up. Today, I want to tell you, I think Jesus' teaching about the Good Shepherd is a great deal more radical than we have been led to believe. The Good Shepherd is all about power. And before we get there, a little context. I hadn't planned on preaching today. I'm grateful to Canon Whitney Rice, who had been scheduled to preach. And Canon Whitney will be with us at Virtual Coffee Hour. She'll preach later on this year. But after this week, I asked to be the one in the metaphorical pulpit. And Tuesday afternoon, I got a text message from Rudy Nickens on the vestry. The message said simply, verdict reading is at 4.30. Rudy's visiting his mama. He's currently on the East Coast. And so when I saw his text and the pit of my stomach dropped, I had to go check the time And I was grateful to learn that here it would be 3.30. It would be an hour less than I initially thought, but I still had to wait. I remember waiting. Six and a half years ago now, I remember waiting on the grand jury decision over whether to indict the police officer who killed Michael Brown. Ellis and I were away from the city in New Mexico with family, and still we were checking our phones constantly. The night the announcement came, we watched video of the second wave of protests, the fires that burned into the early morning. Days later, I remember the smell of soot on West Florissant when I joined fellow clergy to pray and to march. I remember the hopeless feeling. Despite all the activism from that summer and fall, it felt like nothing had changed. Reflecting on Ferguson, Pastor Otis Moss III of Trinity UCC on the south side of Chicago, he quoted Langston Hughes, who famously asked in his poem, Harlem, what happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun or fester like a sore and then run? Does it stink like rotten meat? or crust and sugar over like a syrupy sweet. Maybe it just sags like a heavy load. Or, like in Ferguson, does it explode? A Tuesday, as I waited, I couldn't help but relive the scenes of 2014. I watched for local announcements where actions might be planned. On Tuesday, 
I know I wasn't alone. As we waited on the jury, many of us in St. Louis were wondering, would our city explode again? This morning, I want to talk about power. As I said, I think the Good Shepherd needs to graduate from Sunday school. In order for that to happen, we have to know about context. We have to know about the prophetic background from which Jesus preaches. And Jesus here is riffing on the prophet Ezekiel. Jesus knows his Haftorah. In the 34th chapter of Ezekiel, God commands the prophet, the prophet to prophesy against the shepherds and say, you drink the milk, you wear the wool, you slaughter the fat animals, but you don't tend the flock. You don't strengthen the weak, heal the sick, bind up the injured, bring back the strays, or seek out the lost. Instead, you use force to rule them with injustice. Ezekiel's prophecy is an indictment, a judgment from God against those who are failing the sheep. Whenever a prophet talks about shepherds, here in the background, a discussion about power. And Jesus today is preaching into a recognized metaphor about power. Ezekiel and Jesus are making a distinction. Just because you have control, just because you can use force, it doesn't make you powerful. Real power, godly power, is something else. The power of God is never about coercion. If unjust rule was at play in the time of Ezekiel, it was worse for Jesus. Remember, Jesus lived in occupied territory. When Jesus is going back and forth with authorities, there are disputes about taxes because the Roman emperor and his clients were extorting the common people. The wealth of Rome, it didn't trickle down to the peasants of Galilee. In Rome's empire, money flowed up. Up from shepherds, up from the carpenters, up from the fishermen. Money flowed up to the Herods, the Pilots, and the Caesar Augusti. That's plural for Augustus. The Caesar Augusti of the world. Tax money didn't provide infrastructure for the peasants. It didn't build schools or library for the common folk. Taxes were spent keeping an army, a police force, fed and armored and deployed. The taxes were paid so that Rome's power could be enforced. When Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, he's saying to the people, your leaders are not the good shepherd. Your leaders are corrupt. Your political elite are failing you. They are failing to, send, to tend to those they are charged to care for. They eat the fat of the land and leave you to starve. Jesus says in this context, I am the good shepherd. This is a teaching about power. Jesus uses the word toward the end of our reading today. I have the power to lay down my life, and I have the power to take it up again. Listen again. These words seem preposterous. I have the power to lay down my life. And Jesus envisions power so entirely differently than the so-called powerful of his day or our day. This power Jesus talks about, it's hardly recognizable in our world. This isn't the power we're used to. St. Paul, in the second chapter of his letter to the Philippians, quotes what was probably an early hymn of the church. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not grasp after equality with God, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant. 
Power for Jesus is about letting go. Letting go of your glory, letting go of your own priorities. Power for Jesus is about serving the least of these, searching out the lost sheep. This, friends, this is the radical dream of Jesus, that his followers would exercise a different kind of power. Mary Parker Follette, a 19th century American social worker and philosopher, would name it this way. Real power isn't power over, she said. It's power with. And Jesus imagined a world where power was defined through service, through other-centered compassion and love. If you would become my disciple, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow. The greatest among you shall become like the least. Jesus imagined a world where power was exercised differently, where we understood power differently. In the kingdom of God, or as Dr. King translated, in the beloved community, power is measured in compassion, in healing. Power is measured by justice. On Tuesday, when the verdict was announced, many of us breathed a little easier, at least momentarily. But in the days surrounding the verdict, more video became public. Another Minnesota police officer killed a young black man named Dante Wright. 13-year-old Adam Toledo was on tape killed by a police officer with his hands in the air. In Columbus, Ohio, Makia Bryant, a 16-year-old black foster child, was killed by an officer. On Wednesday, protesters in North Carolina demanded body cam footage of the killing of Andrew Brown. That's all in the last 10 days. And those are only the stories that became national news. Video evidence is crucial. We learned that this week. And still, every time a black or Latino parent sees one of those videos, they worry a little bit more about their kids stepping out of the house. Our ways of exercising power are fundamentally broken. We know it. We can see it. What made Tuesday so remarkable was that the system, against the odds, actually managed to hold a white police officer accountable for the murder of a black man in his custody. Even though thousands marched in the midst of the pandemic, in Minneapolis, in St. Louis, across the country, across the world, I was among the many surprised, surprised to see a former white police officer convicted. And power in this country is still so tied to race. And power is still so broken. Jesus offers an alternative to those who would hear his voice. The writer G.K. Chesterton famously said, Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. The power of the Good Shepherd is still out there. We can still choose this power in our own lives. To the extent we are willing to acknowledge privilege, to commit to anti-racism, and to fighting our own internal biases, to the degree we are willing to seek out the lost, to bind the wounds, to the extent we are willing to give up on visions of our own glory, and instead listen to our neighbor's need, we can still choose a different kind of power. If we can choose it personally, we could also choose to reimagine power on a societal level, 
We could award prosecutors not for convictions, but for lives transformed. We could award tax dollars for schools not based on the price of neighborhood housing, but based on the educational needs of a given community. There was news this week that some corporations are beginning to tie corporate bonuses to meeting climate and diversity and equity targets. It's a start. We could measure the efficacy of our police departments, not by arrests, but by their contribution to the healing of all our communities. We could redefine power, but we have to be willing to take on radically new and difficult measures. After preaching about the Good Shepherd, Jesus says, I have the power to lay down my life and to take it up again. Alleluia, this is still the Easter season. This is the season we Christians celebrate the seemingly absurd victory of God over the powers of this world, even over the power of death. The resurrection tells us Jesus' vision could still transform our world. The power of the Good Shepherd is still living among us. How long will we wait? Amen.